Sego, Sego, Guego. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to our Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast, focusing on Haudenosaunee cultural topics recorded on Haudenosaunee territory. Our podcasts are produced by Aboriginal Legal Services with the technical assistance of Humble Man Recording. My name is Lisa Venevery from the Mohawk Nation and the Wolf Clan. I'm the coordinator of the Yohate Negasuna Road to Your Name program and the host of this podcast. Welcome to the Ohate Negasuna Road to Your Name podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our new website at www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word donate located on the bottom of the page of our newly updated website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services Toronto, Canada. This episode was recorded by telephone. Our guest today is Alun Hyayas Hearn. Um, Alun Hyayas grew up in Akwesasne Mohawk Territory. He's a storyteller, teacher of cultural education. He was condoled as a traditional Mohawk subchief at the early age of 19. Today, Alun Hyayas continues to work with his community, teaching stories and legends in hopes of preserving the Gayangaha. Gayan Geham ways of life. Welcome, Alun Welcome, Alun Um, Okay, today um, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic. Um, midwinter teachings, and we're right in the time of midwinter teachings. Um, I wanted to first ask Aline Hayes about, I found this so interesting and wondered what it was like being condoled as a Mohawk subchief at the early age of 19. What was that like? Um, well, at the beginning, you know, growing up, it probably started around when I was 12 years old. Um, because uh, one of my family members, because um, my family, my mother's family, they come from Ganesadage, which is Oka, Quebec. And um, from the time I was about 12 years old, they started having discussions about, you know, one of the titles that existed in our family in from Oka, from Ganesadage. And, and one of my, uh, well, my grandmother, she's the one who held that wampum after it was passed on. And so yeah. they started having those discussions and wondering, you know, like, what's going to happen after... Uh, you know, when it comes time to renew that position. So from the time I was about 12 years old, they kept talking about putting me in that position and taking that up. And um, so, like, uh, one of the things they always told me was that, you know, growing up is that uh, you're not really supposed to refuse. Or you can't really refuse when, when you're asked that question. And so from that time, when I was 12, it kind of started again putting in my head that, you know, I was going to carry this position. And I always thought it was going to be, uh, you know, a, a chief position. But they realized that I was I was still too young, and um, I had uh, an uncle who was already working in that 
working with the council. So they says, well, we'll put him as the chief, and then you know we'll put the younger guy in as the uh, as a sub chief. So that's kind of how it went, and I'll say. You know, as far as how it was, it was really difficult because I was so young. I had a brand new family. I was still trying to raise my children. And it was really heavy on me because it's a big responsibility. And, you know, trying to be, you know, a father and trying to take care of, uh, you be a husband and, you know, mm-hmm. and still go to school and all that, all of that and have a job. And so it was really heavy on me. So I struggled yeah. with it at the beginning. But as I got older and started to understand more, and that's actually one of the parts that pushed me into learning the teachings and learning and understanding all of the ceremonies and understanding all of the um starting to learn and, and build and understand you know everything about our our culture so it actually helped me that way so it took a it took a lot of years you know to get over um the heaviness part and then to really look at the good in all of it so yeah that's kind of how it's gone and um mm-hmm. yeah it, it's there's been some heavy times but there's definitely been a lot of real good times too so yeah that's how it's come to be about. Well, I certainly agree that um, uh, it's a huge responsibility because because you're really responsible to a whole community. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like not even just our community, but the whole nation, right? And then yeah, the whole to nation. work in the yeah, to have yeah. to work in the Confederacy as well. That really uh, that really makes yeah. it difficult too. So yeah. yeah, like I said, it's been it's there's been some heaviness, but all in all, it's, it's turned out really well, and, you know, my family's always been taken care of and always protected, so I appreciate yeah. it that way, and, you know, it just, it just, it was just heavy on me because I was so young, I didn't yeah. have a chance to raise my family yet, and I didn't have a chance to even grow up myself, I was still a kid too, I was still a baby, so mm-hmm. I had a lot of growing up to do, and now that I'm kind of um, matured a lot more, and my kids have grown up, and I've raised a family, like, it's starting to really um, ease up on me and be less stressful so I, I really enjoy it now oh that's really great um, so let's talk about midwinter teachings I know there's a lot that goes into midwinter teachings um, I don't know where you'd like to start so how about we start where you'd like to start uh, okay yeah there's it's usually when we do midwinter teachings it takes me about um, six hours altogether to get through it. I don't know how much time we have, but I don't think we have that much time. But no, I'll try to cover like some of the yeah. I'll try to cover some of the main points, I guess, and kind of summarize as best as I can. And the thing to always understand with all of our teachings is that no matter where you go, no matter who you speak with, you're always going to have um, another opinion or another set of teachings or another understanding, and that's okay. Um, our purpose is not to be right, or our purpose is not to tell people what's right and wrong. Our purpose is just to understand each other and still have respect for one another and respect for each other's teachings. So I like traveling. I like learning from all kinds of different people. And what's amazing when it comes to midwinters is that every nation in the Confederacy and even other nations, even other Native peoples, have a form of you know Thanksgiving or have a form of a winter ceremony. Even... Some nations in Europe, in Europe, even European nations, even nations across the world, have a celebration of this time of, um, some call it the winter solstice, right, or the winter celebration. But they all have the same kind of thing around this. So it's about keeping an open mind and being respectful of each other in our own teaching. So this is just what I've learned, and, and that's kind of how I teach, is I just share, you know, this is just where I'm coming from, and this is the things I was told. And so when it comes to midwinter ceremonies, they say this is the time when in our history and in our teachings back when there was a time of, um, in creation, they says, when the, when the world was first began, 
and the people were placed in the wood, they said there came a time when there was a great freeze. And a great freeze came over the earth, and some cultures reference that, or in history, they call it the Ice Age, right? Mm-hmm. So in that time that we were given that, they says that the Creator, our our Creator, He came back, and He gave us a set of teachings. And with that, He says, because you forgot your way, right? Like, um, it's like you, you, you stopped doing, or you lost the mind that I had given you, because He gave us a way to think, and He gave us a way to live our lives. And so he says, if you ever forget, because you forgot your way, now it's going to go cold. The world is going to shift. And our creator also had a brother. And his brother, he's the one who liked it in the cold. He's the one who liked it in the dark. So he told the people that when you forget your way or when you no longer follow my way, uh, my brother is going to take control. My brother is going to have his will be done. And so that's where the Ice Age come because the people, they say all of the families had divided and separated from each other. And the families were no longer loving each other. The families were no longer caring for one another. So at that time, that's when the world came cold. And they say that's when the Ice Age happened. And so that's where it's connected to the winter time in the cold time. So they say when the Creator came back, He brought us a special set of ceremonies and a special song. And that's what we call our stern ashes ceremony. And so when we talk about stern ashes, it connects to that time of the great cold because it's almost like you know how we have those expressions of um, somebody's real cold to you or somebody give you the cold shoulder, right? It's always like a negative connotation or it's like um, it's like we've become less compassionate. We've become less caring or less loving. So that's connected to our families there. And so this time of cold, that's how we are. Like our families have gone cold to one another. And whenever we talk in our way in Ganyagena, we always use the word of Ojula or Gahuajula. And so that ties to the fire, or that ties to our families. It also ties to our spirit. It also ties to staying warm, having love and compassion and caring between each other. So during that time, they said, or the, the Creator, He brought us this set of songs. And that's what they call us the stern ashes songs. So you know, like in the springtime, or in, I'm sorry, in the fall time, before you light your wood stove up, you have to clean out all those ashes, right? You have to... You have to renew it. You have to renew those ashes before you can start your new fire. So it's the same thing in the way of stern ashes is that we renew all of our relationships. And everything in our culture, everything in our teachings is all some form of relationship. So we look at which is the Thanksgiving address. Those are forms of relationships that we have. And one problem that I see like in the world today is that most people we don't have healthy, positive relationships no more, right? We really struggle. And sometimes the only relationships that we consider or the only relationships that we look at are human relationships or our family or our spouse or our lovers or our children. Those are the only relationships we look at. But in our way, in our culture, we have relationship with everything in our world. So from the, from the earth to the berries to the waters to the fish, Everything in the natural world, we have a relationship with it. So at this time, um, when we do stir in ashes, when we sing those songs, and we symbolically, I guess, renew those relationships or renew the ashes, it creates a new medicine for us. And it also um, renews those relationships between with the natural world. Now, in some cases, we talk about it connects to the garden too. And it's about stirring up that garden. But it's actually bigger than that, too. It's, it's the whole 
natural world that we're connected to. It's everything that we were given, right? That we renew all of those families that we have, that we renew all of those loves, all of those relationships that we understand. So with that, they say that's why we stir the ashes during midwinter's time. And that's a big, big piece of uh, why this takes place and why it's done at this time. Now, the other thing that's connected to there, uh, when we talk about the stirring of ashes, they also say um, this concept in the language is or And what that is, it almost sounds like putting a hat on or some might say taking off or removing some kind of um, veil from our minds. And so what that means is whenever we stir the ashes up, it also connects us to the spiritual side, to the spiritual world. And we also create this pathway or we remove this veil. And then when they talk about the veil, it's that, it's that um, you know, when we're born, we all have the soft spot in our heads. And mm -hmm. when we grow up, right, as we, as we get older, that soft spot starts to close up. And it's like we become disconnected because we stop believing in spiritual world. We stop believing in um, fairy tales or we stop using our imagination. So during this time, they say we stir that ashes and it uncovers that veil for us. And now we have this connection to the spiritual world, to the sky world. And this also connects to when we open that doorway, it also connects to a very special um, consolation, consolation that we follow. And that consolation is what we call in the languages, la dinagua dale, la dinagua dale, or some say onagua dale. And Ladina Guadala is called the Pallades Consolation. So like Greek mythology, right, or in Greek astronomy, they call it Pallades. And the Greeks, they know the Pallades as the seven sisters. So in our teachings, in our way, that Pallades is what we call the seven dancers consolation. And some also say that that's the, they, they reference that as the hole in the sky where the sky woman fell through. And so when that Pallades, is straight overhead, or they say when that hole in the sky um, is straight overhead above us, that's when our, our veil is removed, and also that soft spot opens up, and now we're connected to that spiritual realm. Now all of that spiritual knowledge, and now all of the spiritual teaching, and all of the all of the things that we conduct connects to us. So that's why we conduct at this time in the year, um, and it's tied to that greatest constellation. Now there are a lot of teachings. There are a lot of different things I've heard and I've been taught um, of how it connects to Pallades and how we follow that. Now, in like even just in our community alone, we have two different houses here and they follow two different sets of teachings. But both of them are pretty, I find them pretty profound. Like I, I find both of them pretty interesting in how they understand that star knowledge. So like I said, it's about having an open mind and it's about having... Um, you know, just being able to understand and so respect what each each place follows. Now, another thing that connects to this time of year too is this time of great uncertainty. And so, from from the summertime, right, from starting in the spring, um, preparing our gardens, turning the soil, putting the seeds in the ground, cultivating it, um, weeding the gardens, watering them all the work that we put in all summer. Now it comes to the time when the cold weather starts to set in and we harvest all our food, we put everything away, we've worked we've done everything, right? In our in our in our capability or everything in our power. 
to save up as much food as we could to last us through the winter. Now, what happened, like anything can happen from the time of harvesting to the time of what we call is the midwinter time. And I didn't mention the name earlier, but midwinter is what we call it Satdagos Sehne, or some say Satdagos Seho, or some say Satdagos Sehwa, or Satdagos Seriho. So all those names basically mean the same thing. It means the middle of the year or the middle of the winter. So during that time, they say it's really uncertain. It's still uncertain if we're even going to make it at all, if we're going to make it through the winter, because we don't know what's coming. There could have been like mold that got on all of our corn, right? There could have been bugs that got into the beans, or there could have been um, an animal that got into even the, the meat or something, right? Or something could have gone spoiled or we could have lost most of our food. So it's like this uncertainty, it really plays in our minds and it really weighs heavy and it creates this uneasiness for us. And not only that, in the old days, they say, and what's really hard um, when understanding our teachings, when understanding our sermons, what makes it also really hard is that um, we don't live that way anymore, right? We don't, we don't live the way that we used to. And for the most part today, a lot of families, we don't really, um, we don't really plant or we don't really, what do you say? Um, we don't really um, depend. We don't really depend on our gardens anymore. Some people plant gardens, but it's, like, it's just a, a habit or it's just a, um, I'll get stuck here. It's hobby. Just a, um, it's just a hobby, mate. Hobby. That's, that's the word. It just becomes a hobby, right? So um, that's where we, it's hard to understand like how we would really feel a long time ago wondering or worrying about our foods, right? And if we're going to make it through the winter. So now we have this uncertain feeling. Are we going to make it? And that's why they say in midwinter's time, we do this big celebration. We celebrate together because now we know it's like, um, you know, when they say it's like the hump, right? When we say Wednesday is hump day, like now you got over the hump. Now it's all downhill from here. So midwinter's is kind of the same idea. It's like, we got over the hump of the winter time. Now we're, we're, we're pretty sure, we're pretty certain we're going to make it because we've, we've passed the hardest time of the year. And that's why we celebrate too. That's why we have this big ceremonies um, to celebrate everything we're given. Now, the other thing that makes it real uncertain too, they say, is because we have become disconnected with our relationships with the natural world. Same of in the beginning, of creation when we got disconnected with each other with the families all the families separated now we become disconnected with the uh, earth because the earth is sleeping they say our mother earth has been covered by a blanket all of the plants we don't see the plants anymore we don't see the berries right even the fish we don't see the fish because now the rivers are frozen so even the water seems to have stopped it's almost like the river is not even flowing anymore because it's covered with a sheet of ice now everything in our world brings us joy, brings us happiness, brings us life. And so at this time of the winter, because everything is covered, everything is cold, now we have this uneasy feeling because now we become disconnected with all of our relationships. And the other thing too is that our minds start to fall. We become depressed. And that's where you get the concept of seasonal depression, right? We always say people get depressed in the winter. It's not just because it's... Uh, like there's something weird in the air. It's actually because um, because we're disconnected with all of our, our our loves, right? All of the ones who care about us, all of the natural world that provides for us, 
now they have they have gone to sleep or now they have um not taken from us but now they have they have you know just um taken a break from us so that makes us more depressed it makes us more miserable and i even think a long time ago we used to live in huge gigantic longhouses 100 foot longhouses probably living with four or five families um all together with your aunties your uncles your brothers your sisters your grandparents all of your whole family was living together in one house man and you couldn't really go outside those days because the winters were a lot more harsh back then so you're in you're stuck indoors right and we kind of experienced this now with this pandemic like where everybody's been stuck indoors on quarantine not allowed to go outside not allowed to go live the lives that we were we were used to living so in the old way that's the same thing so that really got us depressed right and there was probably even a lot of sickness and a lot of illness that went around in the old days because people were in close quarters because people couldn't exercise people couldn't go outside as much and enjoy the and enjoy the the outdoors right and all that kind of stuff so during that time that's also why they say the ceremonies of midwinters it helps to break up that monotony it helps to break up that um that time that we're stuck with each other or that time that we're spent with each other and that's what renews and it's like it helps us to celebrate each other again too so that's the other thing that's tied to that so a lot of things now in the winter time become uncertain and they also say because of this uncertainty we don't know we don't know if we're going to see the waters again we don't know if we're going to see the berries again we don't know if we're going to see the grass again or the animals or the birds because everything has gone to sleep so also another part of midwinters is what we call is a great tobacco burning some call it the tobacco burning some also call it the white dog sacrifice and with the white dog sacrifice they say that was given to us at a time of great famine so when the people were starving right they had very little food and this goes back to creation too when the people were starving and the people were struggling you know finding things to eat or to sustain themselves or to provide for themselves they say that the creator had sent us a white dog and it was a very special breed of white dog and one of the elders some say it was an elder woman some say it was another man but one of the elders in the human village they had this dream and in their dream this white dog came to them and he spoke to them and he told them that he was a messenger of the creator and that what they needed to do was to take his body and to dress him up and the and the people back then they would tie ribbons on him or they would tie um like really nice cloth or really nice leather to him and dress him up really fancy or even braid his hair and some say they would even tie little strings of wampum to his fur little strings of wampum beads and they would put their prayers and they would put all of their um you know all the things that they're asking for into the into those beads and they would tie it to that white dog so then they would take that white dog and they would sacrifice it they would put him on a fire and they says they would burn his his flesh they would burn his body and when they did that that white dog would take that message um back up to the creator's land and he would report to the creator of what the people were also that they were still continuing to live by his way right they were still continuing to live by you know what he had asked of us so with that they say that was the old practice now me this is only my personal opinion my only personal idea is that i believe at that time during the famine that they wouldn't have just wasted that dog either that they would have actually ate him so i believe that he also provided food and sustenance for them 
Um, but that's kind of like a, a like an extension, right, of the story. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we were given that we were given that ceremony, and up until I think the last time they did it was in uh, I want to say 1936 is the last time they did a white dog actual sacrifice, and they said that that breed of dog was a very special breed of dog. And in one of the writings, it says that the breed of dog had six toes. And so that's how you know it was that special breed of, of white dog that was given to us. But they say we had either used up all of those white dogs, like there's, there's no more of that special breed. Or some say that that breed of dog mixed in with the European dog when the Europeans brought their dogs over. They crossbreeded and now there's no longer that pure blood um, of that white dog. So that's why they says in the teachings is that since we don't have the white dog no more, now you're going to use a white basket. And so a lot of longhouses, a lot of communities, when they do their when they do their burning or their tobacco burning, they'll also burn a white basket. And when I was a kid, there was a time in our community when I remember they would put a basket at the center of the house, and all the women and the young girls would come and they would bring ribbons and they would tie ribbons for that basket. And that was kind of like a symbolic or kind of represented that white dog right and what we used to do and and then when they did the tobacco burning they would take that basket and they would also burn that basket and then later on in the teachings of Hanson, the teachings of Kalihuyo, it just says it's enough to only burn tobacco like you just have to burn tobacco and when we do that tobacco burning in the language we call it and ties to the word of and a deset nega is like to um, to ask for or to invoke the power of or to, you know, to ask that those things come back that we were given. So with that, um, that's another big part of it. And it ties to what's called the white dog sacrifice. But we don't sacrifice white dogs anymore. And we just we just offer our prayers. We offer our tobacco, our sacred tobacco um, to the creator. But we also tell him in that in that speech, we also remind him that there are still people here who care for you. There are still people in this world who love you and who, who still follow your way. And because of that, because we're still doing what you asked of us, we also ask that you send all of those things back to us. So that's what they say is, what they said, Nega, is now we're asking you to, to continue to provide for us, to, to continue to give us the things that we need to survive. And so that's the waters. We go through every one, right? The earth, the waters, the, the berries, the medicines, the, the grass, the plants, the animals, the trees, the birds, the winds, and then the thunders. And then one big one is the sun, too, because that seasonal depression is also tied to the sun. So they say because the sun is the furthest distance from the earth, right? That's why it gets so cold. And... It's the, it's the time of the least light. So we have very little light because it's, um, it's a time of very short days. So the less sunlight we have, the more depressed we will be. So even in that speech, one thing that we do is we ask that the sun come back too and start to bring back those warm days again. And, that, and then now we have passed the time of the, the midpoint of our winter. Now we ask for the warm days to come back as well. So I always thought that was really cool how it's tied to the sun. Same thing with the moon, right? That the moon bring back the currents and bring back the waters and bring back the growing season and the stars and the four beings and the creator. So we ask all of those things to continue helping us. 
And because we still do conduct our ceremonies the way that he asked, now we ask that everything come back and everything still be provided for us. So with that, that's tied to that white dog ceremony too and most communities. And I'm just going to touch on like some of the parts where the similarities, right? That most communities, most longhouses I've been to, they all have similar stories. So almost every place I've been to does a stirring ashes um, ceremony. Every place I've been to does a tobacco burning or some form of tobacco burning or Thanksgiving or what we call here in Akwazasana at the big house, we call it the pleading speech. It's like we beg and we plead for all those things to come back to us. And because it's never for certain, right? It's never guaranteed that we're going to be given those things again. The only reason why we keep being given what we got is because we continue to do what the Creator asked of us. And that's a big concept for me too. Even in the Great Law of Peace, there's this concept of inherent rights, right? We think we have inherent rights, but we really don't have inherent rights. We have inherent responsibilities. So we have a responsibility to the natural world. If we don't give thanks to the natural world, if we don't continue to fulfill our duties to them, then they're not gonna they're not gonna provide for us. They're gonna be taken from us. So that tells in our prophecies, that tells in our teachings, that whole part. And I don't I really don't I really don't like that um that concept of inherent rights because it it starts to sound like now we're entitled to these things, right? Now they're supposed to be there for us, but that's not true. The natural world can leave us at any time. And if we ever stop thinking them, if we ever stop doing our ceremonies or ever stop celebrating celebrating them, that's when we will be in a real poor state. So that's the importance of that midwinters, right? And everything that it provides for us and always continuing on life and bringing back the warm season, bringing back the, the good, the, um, the planting season and the garden season. So, and also renewing all of our relationships, all of those pieces are tied in there. Now, talking a little bit more about Pleiades too, um, they say it also connects to the moon. So when we notice that Pleiades is at the highest point in the sky, they say we wait until the next new moon. And they say, is five nights after the next new moon, when Pleiades is at its highest point in the sky, then we go to the next new moon and five nights after that new moon, then we will start our midwinter ceremonies. Now they also say five nights is connected to um, women's moon time. So they allow five nights because in the old days, I always heard this from the women, is that a healthy woman and a healthy moon time should last about three to five days. So that's why they, they have that cushion in there of five days to say now we can all join in on these, on these conducting of the ceremonies. And also, there was another teaching that came too, is that during, before midwinters, there's another ceremony we do. And it's in between mid, it's in between harvest and it's in between midwinters. And that's the one that we call as end of season ceremony or some call it closing of the gardens. And during that time, we release our hunters. The hunters are released and they're allowed to go collect meat now for the midwinter season. And that's tied to the fall time. It's, it's tied to another constellation. I don't want to get into that too much because it kind of goes away from midwinters. But those hunters, once they are released to go collect meat now, they say they follow the moon cycle. And the hunters will take three moons. They will leave for three moons and they will hunt. And on that third moon, now they know they've got to be back because on that third moon is the time when um, midwinters will be conducted. And this this moon is also tied to what we call is this skull in it. 
And the um, here in Akuzasne, because we had to go back and kind of relearn a lot of our ceremonies because we had lost so much at one time. They said a lot of our teachings, our songs, our dances, even our concepts, I guess, were all in Anadaga language. So when when we do ceremony, and even a lot of the older people don't know this, but we always talk about this skorna in Galakod. And, and I always ask that question, what does this skorna mean? I've never seen a Mohawk word, because I grew up with the language. I'm a first language speaker, but I've never seen a word like that to, to say this skorna. And so I kept researching, I kept researching, looking for it. And they always talk about that this corner is tied to the new moon. So just like I said, right, it's once the Pleiades is in the highest point in the sky, then it's the next new moon. So five nights after the new moon, then we do midwinters. But it never explained what this corner meant. So I researched more and I found that's an Anadaga word that's from Anadaga language. And in Anadaga, they say, this um, corner, or some say Anadaga, or and that's Anadaga language. In Anadaga, what that means is the time of great long nights. The time of great long nights. Now, in Ganyageha, when we take that word and we put it into Mohawk, we say, That's the actual word of that. And so uh, after a lot of years of research, a lot of years of talking to my teachers, my uncles, and then finally reaching out to Anadaga language speakers, I was finally able to understand that word. And so in Ganyageha, that's when we say, it's the time of great long nights. Now, remember I said before, different cultures understand it as the winter solstice. That's the longest time of the night, all right? It's the longest night of the year. And so that's connected to our ceremony too. So that's why they say that, ties to the time of great long nights. And that's the point. That's why that's the middle of the winter, because that's the longest time that we will experience the darkness. And from that point of the winter solstice, now the days start to get longer again, and the nights start to get shorter. So it's tied to that tobacco burning, asking the sun to come back. It's tied to, you know, the pieces of, now it's the hump of the year, or the hump of the winter. And now we ask those things to come back. So I always thought that was so, so interesting how um, we use that concept of deskona or in Ganyaga we say wasun deskona. That's a big part I like to explain because a lot of people never heard that that deskona is an Andaga word. And it comes from our word in Ganyaga is wasun deskona. So that's the time of the great long night. And I always believe that was a time of, um, that was a time of the winter solstice. And we know the winter solstice is, is around December, right? Or it's, um, what, December 21st or something? But I don't believe that it follows the calendar. I actually believe it, uh, it moves. It's not always the same day, but modern day, modern society, it puts it as the same day, um, you know, every year. But in our way, we follow the moon, we follow the stars. So it can adjust and it can move, but I believe that it's always close to that time of um, in December. Now... One other teaching I was given to about that is that they had moved it. In our way here in Akwesasana, they moved it one moon back because they didn't want to interfere in with the holidays, right? And so that's why we stopped doing it in December time because a lot of families in the old days, um, when, our, when our people were really mixed up in the alcohol, and even before mm -hmm. the, the teachings of Kalihuyo came, um, they said they were mixing the alcohol with the ceremonies. 
And so during that time, of course, of Christmas and New Year's, like in modern holidays, people were partying, people were doing all kinds of stuff. So they said, we're going to move it one moon back to get away from that. So we don't mix the ceremony with, with all of that partying and what's going on. Now, I don't know if necessarily that's, that's right or wrong, but I know that that's what I was taught of why we moved it back one moon. But it also, to me, it kind of takes us out of that alignment too. Because we're supposed to be in line with those stars and we're supposed to be in line with the skyward. And they say all of our ceremonies that we do are supposed to be conducted at the same time of the skyward. So when the sky beings do their ceremonies, we're supposed to do ours at the same time. So I don't really like that we've changed it and adjusted it. But a lot of places have different teachings. I know at the other house here in Akwajasme, um, they follow Pleiades, but they follow a little bit differently. And theirs usually lands more in February. Every year it's around February time when they do their midwinters. I know some, some longhouses in Six Nations, theirs falls more in February and others fall more in, in January time. So, like I said, it's, it's not about who's right around. It's just everyone has their own set of teachings. And what's amazing is that when you travel to other communities, you see it's like a puzzle, right? Everybody has pieces to the puzzle. And imagine if we all shared, imagine if we all talk to each other, right? What, Like how much knowledge and how much teachings we could have. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's always different. And it's a, it's a, it adjusts a little bit for, you know, for each community to go, you, go to and each longhouse that you go to. Now, the last thing uh, I'll mention, too, is we do, here in Akwajasne, we have eight days. So what they say is, um, in the language, they say, Yolihuana Dagwa is, all of the issues that have been added. So because we've been learning for so long, I remember there was a time when we only did four days of midwinters. And so we did one day for each of the four sacred ceremonies. And and that was it. And then as we slowly started to learn and understand more, then we added more days. And for a long time in my life, we did seven days. And so then we added even more. And now we're up to nine days. I know I said eight days, but we're up to nine days now of midwinter ceremony. So that, I think that's pretty good. You know, we've been learning. We've been um, talking to other communities. We've been adding days to our to our ceremonies and kind of building it and getting stronger and stronger. I know some communities, I think Anadaga does 10 days. I know some places do 14 days um, in the Seneca territory. I think they have 14 days of, of ceremony. So... Everywhere is different, and, and I think they're all beautiful, they're all unique, and they all have a lot of similarities, too. Now, with this, um, so of those four sacred ceremonies, so I'll just kind of talk about the days really quickly, okay? I'll just kind of mention what what's happened. So for us here at Akwajasna, on the first day, we do a reading or a telling of Galizio teachings. And the reason why they do that is they say Galileo was meant to bring us back to something good, right? It was meant to bring us back to Gohmiyo again and to bring us back to a good way of life. So before we can go into the longhouse, before we can start our ceremony, we have to first have a good mind. We have to first find our peace again. And so whenever we do Midwinners, we always have a telling of that first day um, or one of the days of Galileo. And so they go through that. So that becomes day one. And then on the second day, we do the stirring of ashes, the stirring of ashes ceremony. And then once the stirring of ashes is finished, then on the third day, we do what's called the medicine renewal day. On the fourth day, then we do what's called tobacco burning day, or that's the white dog sacrifice day, or what they call tobacco burning day. 
and we beg and we plead for those things to come back again. On day five, we do, um, here at Kazashna, we added what's called Children's Day. And the reason why we add Children's Day is because they say on that day, we allow the kids to do all of the conducting of the ceremony. Because they say Hansenmake was really big on children. And, and because the kids are the future, right, it brings us a lot of joy. It brings us a lot of pride. It really lifts up our spirits to see that the children are still interested in these ceremonies, that children are still learning the songs, that children are still able to do the dances, that children are still bringing their minds to Longhouse to conduct these ceremonies. So that's where um, that's a real big day for us. And it helps me as a leader, right, as a sub-chief, that this heaviness starts to get, it's not as heavy on me no more because I see the kids who are, you know, if I pass away tomorrow, there's all these children who can who can fulfill my duties, who can take over for me when I'm gone. So that's a really big day for us is that children's day. Then on day six, that's when we do what's called Ustawa Goa, or the Great Feather Dance Day, and we do three songs. And that's when we also do a sunrise song. We do it, at, you know, before the sun comes up on that sixth day. Then on day seven, we do the Aduma, or what's called the men's chanting songs, or the spirit songs. Um, and that's also our naming day when we give our babies their names or any people the names that they want to get. And then on the day eight, which is, and we call that what's called the drum dance or your nehol, or we do drum dance on the eighth day. And then the last day, which is day nine, we do what's called Gayandawana or the peach bowl, peach bowl game. And so those are the days and how we set up and how in Akulismi here we've built to actually have nine days. Now that's only the one house here. The other house, I think they do, I think they do five days maybe, or maybe four days. So, um, like I said, they do a little bit differently, but I think they're all beautiful. I think I enjoy going to all of them. I enjoy um, being a part of all those ceremonies and just respecting, you know, their own teachings. So, yeah, that's what I have for midwinter teachings. Like in a nutshell, like I said, <laughs> this is six hours worth of teachings put into, you know, 40 minutes or an hour. So yeah. I hope that it's understandable, and I hope that it helps you guys have a better understanding of new winners. And I really summarized it as best as I could, and you know, that's what I have for you for today. Oh, that was really great, Nyawe. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a beautiful time of year, even though we're you know it's cold and it's snowy. It's still a beautiful time of year. Yeah. Um, I just had one question because we're living in this time of um, the pandemic. How has the pandemic affected ceremonies? Yeah, so I think most houses, um, a lot of the houses and the, and the ceremony keepers decided not to do um, ceremonies at all or took it upon themselves to do like their own personal individual ceremonies in their own homes. Um, but us here at the big house, we decided to do very low numbers or low key ceremonies. So all of the ceremonial keepers, the leadership, the conductors are the ones who um, who put those ceremonies through for the community. And it makes it really difficult because because in our way, having a lot of people at a ceremony brings up the energy, right? It brings up the power of what we do. Mm-hmm. And so, but the way we also believe is that that's not lessened by having less people there. And it's still just as powerful and, and what's important is that those ceremonies still get done. So we, we followed like the guidelines, right, of social distancing. We, we tried to follow like the numbers-wise and, and the space restrictions, all that kind of stuff in our ceremonies to, to keep everybody safe because we also have to think of our elders. And a lot of the 
a lot of the ceremonial conductors, right? They're older and mm-hmm. they're, they're elderly, and and we have to think of them too to make sure that they're safe. So that's kind of how we adjusted ours. And I think most communities who who did a ceremony, um, that's what they considered, right? Is to wear mm-hmm. masks or or to to separate from each other, to not even when we do our dances, not to dance close to each other. So that's mm-hmm. how we've kind of adjusted it, and um, you know, still being considerate of all those things and still being safe with our with our elders and our people. So uh, in a way, it was still good. It was still done. But we're in a hurry. Um, we're always anxious and always in a hurry to get back to the way we understand it and to, and to get back to, you know, getting people back in there. Because I know, like, especially midwinters, it's a time when it helps to lift our minds. It helps to make us feel better about all of the heaviness that we're going through. And because we're not able to do that this year, I know a lot of people felt that. A lot of people felt really down and really heavy and really depressed. So mm-hmm. we have to um, still do something for the night, and we have to mm-hmm. um, keep working together and, and try to keep our minds up. So yeah, yeah that's kind of what we've done. Okay, well, this has been such a great um, time. Just just sitting back and listening to to you speak. Um, I know you you do a lot of speaking all over the place. I I, I bet you're Zoom fatigued by now. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sick of Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, I want to say Yahweh for our guest today, um, Aliunjaya's Hearn from Akwesasne. Um, he shared with us the teachings of midwinter, and um, I hope I. I hope you and your family stay safe, Alun Hiyayas. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk again soon, I hope. Yeah, okay. for sure. Okay. Onigiwahi. Yahweh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Yohate Negasunha. The Road to Your Name podcast, which has been produced by Aboriginal Legal Services and hosted by me, Lisa Van Every. There are 10 episodes in this podcast series. Let's meet again on the next episode. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our new website at www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word Donate, located on the bottom of the page of our newly updated website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services Toronto, Canada. This has been the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast series. Yeah.